episode 78, immense. <laughs> Five, four, three, two. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 78. Tonight on the show, we'll be playing a challenge inspired by Lester Banks, sharing some songs with each other, and we're going to review the new Smashing Pumpkins record, Sir, or Sir, not sure how that sounds, but it is their 11th studio album. I'm your host, Foggy, and with me as always is JPP. Greetings. How's it going? Really? Yeah. I'm playing with the stuff and that's what I get? <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> but it, boom. All right, fine. And joining us is Metalhead Monday. How's it going, everybody? Pretty good. And there he was, tea bags. Hey, <laughs> just dropping drop in. <laughs> just dropping in. Get this man a towel. <laughs> <laughs> and there he is, El Ray himself, Mr. Joe Wright. Hello, good evening. Good, evening. good to be with you guys. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Good. Good. good I, I don't think Joe and I've been on an episode together since. It was still warm, warm outside, and there was leaves mm -hmm. on trees. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. We have everything. We have a cluster bangs. We have a challenge. We have a full album, and we have a full crew. Yeah. Yeah. When was the last time all of us were on? Probably. Yeah. It's been a minute. A month mm -hmm. of Sundays. Nice. I do, uh, I do have uh, sad news today, though. For uh, I'm uh -oh. sure you probably saw it on social media, but we lost David Lander today. Who was Squiggy? Squiggy, mm -hmm. yep. And uh, Joe, you'll appreciate this, but he was a Major League Baseball um, scout since the mid '90s. I guess it was a uh, true love of his, and and he worked for Major League Baseball teams. How about that? That's pretty cool. Do you, what do you know? What team he worked for? Or? I don't. You no, know, I saw a thing on it today, and I was like, "Whoa!" I always knew him as Squiggy. I didn't know he had yeah. other interests. Yeah. You know? I saw some of the other some of his other comedian friends. You get a little bit typecast when you play a goofy role like that the mm -hmm. rest of your life, and then you do something serious or you do other comedy things, and you're always known for that one thing, which is cool. Made his made his money, but well, obviously had other interests. That's cool, but scout thing though. I wonder if he discovered anybody that I'm sure he discovered people that we know. Today. Next episode, that's what we're going to come up with. Yeah, that's the challenge. Find Something out who they found. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Anything else exciting before we jump in, guys? Uh, uh, a little technical issue. I just realized my microphone was sitting in front of my face and it wasn't plugged in. So hopefully, I sound better now. You sound fine. Yep. <laughs> I like the warm glow of your Christmas tree behind you. It yeah. really kind of. Mm -hmm. Brings the mood to a nice. Oh well, uh, you no, know, we got everything home. up, so I figured I'd share, share the warmth. Yeah, I hung tree uh, or not tree hung. I hung lights on on the uh, front porch today, and uh, wasn't much gnashing of teeth and cursing. It was actually pretty seamless this time around. I oh. fell short a little bit. I've got it. I ordered another set to go around <laughs> the other side of the house, but uh, you know, I'm partially happy because I've got. Our outside lights, yeah, our outside lights are pretty basic, so it's not that hard to get them up. And then uh, I had uh, Fane helping me, so pretty easy. Nice. He's tall enough. There's the section across the front of the house. He's tall enough. He he doesn't even need the ladder to put them up across those. Like, all right, just 
show off. Show off. <laughs> <laughs> what helps too is the fact that I was listening to our album review and uh, my challenge tunes while putting lights up today. So, oh, good. I like yeah. that. We have a guy down the street who's done one of those um, automated, syncopated. You have to pull up next to his house and tune into a certain radio station. And there's oh, music yeah. that plays, and then the lights go. He puts them oh, up yeah. around Thanksgiving. So back in those couple of warm days there, we had those last kind of warm days in November. He was out putting up, but it's pretty pretty big, big production. It got some action last year, some cars stopping. I noticed this year there's a lot more um, at a time. So they have four or five cars parked out in front of his house. And I don't live on a necessarily busy street, but it's also fairly well-traveled. So, you know, somewhere in the middle, it's a county road. but He's nice. getting some some traffic down there, so I hope that's uh, not going to be a problem. Yeah, we went to one last night. We actually went over on the other side of the county to see one that's been notorious for the past few years, and it's right across from a school, so people park in the oh, – hit the microphone, sorry. Mm -hmm. We park in the parking lot across the street and tune into the radio station. The reason I bring it up is because I heard the weirdest cover mashup song I've ever heard. Sounds like Enter Sandman at the beginning, and mm -hmm. they start thinking about Christmas – then it, it kicks into journeys. Don't stop believing while they're doing the verse. And then it goes back into Hetfield like choruses and it's all Christmas themed. I'm gonna have to find oh, it that's and fun. send it your way, but it was, it was strange. I do have a video of my neighbor's uh, lights. Um, uh, I drove by one night and took a video so you can, it's on my Instagram page and you can hear the music as well. Uh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, I don't have any lights outside, but we do have four Christmas trees up. Four. Wow. No way. We, we do. We have a large, like ten or twelve footer when you come into the house, mm -hmm. and then we have one in honor of uh, Tony and Marianne's sister, and Marianne's Cardinals on yeah. it, themed. We nice. have a natural Christmas tree with uh, looks like old fashioned ornaments, and then I've got my uh, nerd tree here in the basement with all of the uh, sweet Star okay. Wars uh, Hallmark ornaments. So good job. It's very festive. There's very a. Cool. A joke going around uh, social media, I guess. Um, some girls had found, I don't know what it was, if it was an Etsy post or something, and somebody had a tree branch that they were selling online. And the joke was you're supposed to take it uh, and show it to your husband and ask him if you could buy it. And it was supposed to be like a huge amount of money. So I saw some of my friends passing this around, sharing it and laughing about it. And I kind of read a few of them, chuckled, but... We spent Thanksgiving weekend at an inn in Michigan on, it's actually on Lake Michigan. So we walked down to the beach. It was a chilly day, but we wanted to check it out. So on the way back, we found this pretty decent size white pine branch. And my wife goes, I've got to have that. And so she truck it back and then threw it in the car. And, and now it's hanging in my house. It's above the, the doorway, the entrance to our living room. It's got a big archway. So I, I'll have to dig out some of those posts from a few weeks ago when the girls were showing their husbands uh, this branch. Hey, can I buy this? And I'm like, just go go out walking around, see what you can find. So <laughs> That's awesome. Not quite a bow of holly, but I guess it works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the price was right, so. <laughs> yes. I'd say. All right. Well, it sounds like we're all doing well. We're getting festive. We're in the spirit. But are we in the spirit of Lester Bangs? We're about to find out with Mr. Mundy. Okay. So I think I found a pretty good one. I'm going to have to switch over here and look at it. So I will not be able to see you guys. So buzz in however you like. Would you just look at it? 
<laughs> okay. That's right there. Just look at it. Are we ready? Ready now. Yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, up front, I'll give you this much. Um, Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, they had, they posted this article that was, uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. So I clicked on it to see if there's anything I could use. And there's actually one that we have used before um, in this article, but this is, um, let me find the title 10 classic albums, Rolling Stone originally panned. So when these came out, they did not like them very much. And one of them we actually used was, uh, they talk about, uh, Black Sabbath's debut album, which was written by Lester Bangs. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm going to use another one here. That's funny. They talk about Neil Young's Harvest. I thought that would be funny, but they're, uh, I didn't want to use that one. I figured I'd spare Tony. <laughs> um, so here we go. So keep that in mind. It's a classic album. Uh, and this original review was written by Patty Smith guitarist Lenny Kay. So that's kind of an interesting little tidbit. Mm. So here we go. So this album appears to pick up where another album left off with the band attempting to deal with their problems and once again slightly missing the mark. They've progressed to the other side of the extreme, wiping out one set of solutions only to be confronted with another. With few exceptions, this has meant that they've stuck close to home, doing the sort of things that come naturally, not stepping out of the realm in which they feel most comfortable. Undeniably, it makes for some fine music, and it surely is a good sign to see them recording so prolifically again. But I still think that the great, blank album of their mature period is yet to come. Hopefully this album will give them a solid footing they need to open up. And with a little horizon expanding, they might even deliver it to us the next time around. Hmm. And if you guys want, I mean, I can drop some hints. There's a little snippet of their revised take on it in like 2004, where they actually like this album. So I can touch on some of that if you want or drop some hints or whatever. What, what was the original year of the review? Uh, 1972. Whoa. Okay. Because I felt a little vague booked on this one. It's it's openly vague. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm leaving out the names. So if well, I, well, <laughs> obviously, but I'm just saying that it just felt like it was so wide open that you know, it could be anyone. Uh, Very 72. much. So. I would agree with that. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Absolutely not. (laughs) I I will tell you, this is legitimately one of the biggest rock and roll bands ever. Led Zeppelin? Yeah, Zeppelin. No. Although they do uh, review, they talk about their debut earlier in this article, but this is not it. (laughs) This is when they, they were well into their career here. So they've been around for a minute already. Rolling Stones? Yes. Bang. This is talking about Exile on Main Street. Oh, Oh, no kidding. No kidding. Wow. They did not like it when it heard this. Lenny Kay, anyway, Hmm. did not like it very much. I mean, he's basically saying it was okay, but they could do better. Funny. 
you know, it's and, and you said they looked at it again, what, 2004, and they liked it after all. So it was yeah. maybe a little ahead of its time or it just took a while to ingest. And in hindsight, maybe after being exposed to things they truly hate, this wasn't so bad after all. Yeah. <laughs> after disco, I right. want exile on Main Street or whatever the case may be. But yeah, it's just interesting scrolling through here because they do like Bob Dylan blood on the tracks, wow. ACDC high voltage, which I think we've done before on this one too. I when I was reading the ACDC one, I feel like we did that one on here too. But I didn't want to do that because everything in it gives it away because it talks about, you know, uh dang it. Angus in his schoolboy outfit and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That would have been too easy they talk about queen's jazz which i was interesting they really didn't like that one wow <laughs> ne never mind on here weezer's pinkerton it's pretty wow. interesting a lot of stuff they didn't like well, when it first came out well i'll take pinkerton over the last one that's for damn sure yes i agree <laughs> <laughs> so one here you go that was a good you got that paul yeah for once good job Thank you. Hey, that's two weeks in a row that Mundy didn't get it. <laughs> that's right. It's slow. It's slow. Um, <laughs> you said they revised the review later. I mean, they had another review later where they liked it more. Uh, yeah, they they uh, like the one I did. They had a snippet of uh, from 2004. It was like the Rolling Stone album guide or something, where it was yeah more favorable review. Gotcha. So it's got um, the biggest hit on Exile Main Street is Tumbling Dice. Um, it's got one of my favorite Stone songs, Loving Cup, on it. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite Rolling Stones titles, Turd on the Run. <laughs> um, some deep cuts like Rip This Joint, Casino Boogie. Those are a couple. I like Sweet Black Angel too. Um, but it doesn't have, it's 18 tracks. I was just, and I, I don't. I think people are still pretty mixed on it. I think they see the value in it. I think they see it as a good album, but I think people... I was just kind of reading through some reviews to see where it kind of landed oh, really? on there. I feel like every time somebody talks about how amazing the Stones are and how much they influence them, they always mention Exile on Main Street. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, that's what I was getting around to. It's It's still, you know, some people are still not sold on it, but it's definitely a... A good album so hmm. it's like neil young's trans for me it's mm -hmm. one that is not widely accepted but i dig the hell out of it yeah florida is totally underrated by the way what's that florida totally yeah. underrated yes <laughs> <laughs> i think tony's gonna come through that screen here in a second <laughs> i'm rethinking my choices for he, he's sending a drone now <laughs> I'm just waiting on him to have technical difficulties. <laughs> I'm creating that right now as we speak. Uh-oh, uh, just glitching. Just have to be in the right mindset to listen to that album, if you know what I mean. I get yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, next week, Joe has at least a challenge of some sort, but uh, hopefully inspired by Lester Banks. Excellent job, Mr. Muddy. And then that brings us to the big challenge of the week brought to us by Teabags. So let's get rolling. Yeah, I don't have the list with me, but just the review of the challenge was 
kind of randomized all of our names as to who would give who a song. So the criteria basically was just um, if you gave somebody a song, they had to have not heard of it before or not listened to it ever before. If they had, then they're supposed to reject it and get another one. So everybody has a song from somebody to review. Okay. Yep. Cool. Well, who um, would like to start? One second here. I have the list if you, if you want me to do that. Okay. Cool. Um, so Steve gave a song to me. I gave one to Joe. Joe gave one to Paul. Uh, Paul gave one to Tony. And then... Uh -huh. I gave one to Steve. Yes, and then, yeah, and that completes the circle. And that's how STDs are spread, folks. That's right. Could have all been prevented. <laughs> all right, Tony, it's your challenge. You say that count as con Does that count as contact tracing? <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm staying home tomorrow. That's all right. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Jeremy gave me one. <laughs> I say we... Um, Paul won the challenge. So, Paul, you go first. Okay. Whoever gave you the song. Who gave me the song? Okay. Joe gave me, I, I've, since I wasn't here last week, I, I thought I read it about having two choices. So, I asked him for two and he gave me two, but I'll pick one of them. Both of them were cool. It's from the same sure. band, uh, My Morning Jacket. And he gave me one big holiday. And then the other one was actually an Erica Badu cover called Tyrone. And mm. I love that original song as is. So uh, listen to it and dug the hell out of it. Solid band, really good bass players. Guitar tones are fun and interesting. And um, I actually went on a rabbit hole with it and found after I came back in from decorating the, the outdoors, uh, I found a YouTube video with Erica Badu performing with My Morning Jacket. Yeah, I saw that too. I'd, yeah. I'd never seen that until I gave you that song. So. Yeah, so that was that was fun to watch as well. But uh, I'd never heard this band before. I'd always seen the name and never, I, for whatever reason, I never went over and checked it out. So thank you for turning me on to them. I'm definitely going to be listening a little more at length, I think. Yeah, their guitar player actually graduated from Pike High School. He's from Indianapolis, and they came from Kentucky as a band. So, oh, cool. Um, I, careers they've been around longer than you think, but yeah, they uh, they've gone from acoustic. Um, would you say country? I think they're country infused for sure. But yeah, they're, they're just their own thing. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of that, that Americana feel. It kind of reminds me of the band I play with, Rivet Shack, for sure. I can I can mm -hmm. hear, you know. I don't know how they, how long they've been active. I, I didn't do that in depth of a research, but at the end of the day, kind of that early Wilco vibe too, much like mm -hmm. you know, the singer from my band River Shack, he's heavily influenced by them. Uh, but they leave a lot of opportunity for texture and, and experimentation. It sounds like, because yeah. the guitars in the track, that one big holiday definitely had some of the elements of rock twinge and like ambient layers and stuff too, but um, they contrasted enough, but complemented enough that it fit very well. Yeah. And more recent stuff is a lot more synthy and a lot more, um, a lot more get, they got away from the, the total rock thing, but they've got some synth going on, some electronic stuff. So cool. One of now my I, faves. 
Awesome. I, I will definitely check out more. And it's cool to know about the uh, Indianapolis nod. Speaking of, um, just real quick, we, we did lose a, a legend of Indianapolis this weekend as well. DJ Indiana Jones passed away uh, very unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And um, many colleagues, I, I never really met the guy, but I always uh, heard about him and, and his impact on the community. And um, really certainly feel for my buds that were in the hip hop and club scenes that have you know, been graced with interacting with him on a very awesome level. Un- unfortunately, gone too soon. 50's too young, man. So, yeah, yeah. I'd say you said he was 50. That's who, yeah, uh-huh. yep, yep. So, but anyway, just wanted to throw that out there before I did forget because, uh, you know, he's certainly somebody that's been at it for a long time and was a staple in, in the music community and will not be forgotten for sure. Right on. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate your. Uh, before we move on, what was what were the names of the My Morning Jack? One big holiday and uh, Tyrone. Okay. We listen to Tyrone around here quite a bit. The Erica Badu version. Sistine's mm-hmm. friend uh, loves it, and so whenever we go to the Kokomo Toy Store and, and then we go to the comic shop, he blasts it and dances in the car. <laughs> While Snapchatting himself, so it's quite the scene as we roll down the road. Slip, slip some Jim James at him. See if he likes the My Morning Jacket version. Don't tell I'm him. I'm gonna do it. I'm a little jealous because that's a great album. He does. He does. Did you pick up that line, Paul? When he goes, "Tell him go over here and get your shit." <laughs> he just delivers that so perfectly. Yes, oh, I love it. Oh yeah. You know, she, uh, Erica Badu is a force to be reckoned with. So, you know, f- for somebody to take that on as a cover is brave in the first place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So who's next? Um, I'll go ahead and go since Paul gave me the song. Um, Paul, I don't know how to pronounce the song. I went with the one from Janice Rasmussen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jorg, I think it is. Okay. Yeah. And uh, no surprise, Paul gave me one that I would love. So. Um, it, it was one of those songs where I don't know if you guys ever have this happen, but you're about a third of the way into it and you're already adding it to a playlist. You know, it's just one of those ones that's going to be in rotation. And that was this one, uh, kind of a slow build. And it was like a, uh, writing music for me. I mean, it was something that I could sit back and listen to, but it's kind of inspiring. And it had Paul, I don't know if you noticed this, but it had a little bit of like, some of the same sounds and maybe notes that like memorabilia, what Nine Inch Nails when they cover memorabilia, mm-hmm. a little bit of that in there. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. All in all, well constructed track had a lot of feeling, and it's interesting because I I just watched a uh, this four part series with Dermot Kennedy. I watched the first one, and he was talking about how music can move people even without lyrics. I'm a lyrics guy, but that is true. You know, I even you could probably just trace it back to the beginning of time, and people sit around and listen to something and and it makes them feel something and so anytime i find something like this or have something like this given to me it's like you know i'm trying to really pay attention to how i'm feeling about it all so um but it was great man and i i never really heard much of is it just one guy that making the music yeah and that was kind of a fresh find for me too what's funny is i i was going back into my earlier roots in the 90s i was listening to a lot of goldie because i threw that to you as a backup contingency and um which i used to get in trouble at uh, the corporate record store for playing that when you know i wasn't playing the space (laughs) camp soundtrack but i digress (laughs) anyway but um i was 
I was having a hard time concentrating at work the other day. I had 50 things flying at me and just no sense of uh, concentration. So I got on Spotify and found a, a chill playlist for focus. And it was actually for studying. And that tune was about the third song that popped up and it just stuck. And I immediately hit the heart on it once I got, I got a heart on it. Uh, once I liked it, <laughs> liked it that way. Well. Boom. Yeah, man. I tell you, it's exciting. Yeah. At my age, that's a good thing. But you know, I, so I was like, I started going down to <laughs> through the rabbit hole and uh, listening to more of his stuff. And, and I really enjoyed it all. And I wanted to see what your first impression was of, of that much. Like I had that first impression with that song. Yeah. That was pretty much it. And it came at a great time. It's my first like actual block of vacation days in a long time. So mm-hmm. I was actually trying to write a little bit. And so that worked out really well. And I did. I love Goldie, but I hadn't heard that song you gave me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, won't, I won't review it now, but when I saw that it was 20 minutes, I'm like, this is right up my alley too. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But, yep. Yeah. So thumbs up. Thanks. Cool. Glad you liked it. I guess if we're going to go in the circle then, Steve, you're up next from what I gave you. Okay. Tony gave me Cage Around the Sun from Monster Magnet. And uh, yeah, I hadn't heard this. I knew Monster Magnet, but I hadn't heard that song. Weird. Yes. Came out in 1993. It was, I really enjoyed it, but I, I am struggling to wrap my head around the lyrics, which is kind of fun. But um, as far as music goes, it starts off with this great little acoustic riff. um, And he's, singing talking kind of at the same time but his voice sounds great and there's a couple of verses and then uh, it kicks in a little bit heavier it kicks in with this really cool groove um and then it has this weird breakdown we get some sitar and <laughs> little percussion action going on in the background which was really cool and then the song comes back to where it started so it was almost a journey in one song and there was a point where I felt like there was a little element of uh, the doors, the end. Absolutely. And, and I'm like, Oh yeah. So I need to work through the lyrics some more because <laughs> I mean, it's uh-huh. pretty heady. It's, it's very different and I like it a lot. I love the music and uh, it's just, I'm a little perplexed by the lyrics, but I loved it when he threw his arm around a sunset. That was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some good poetic lyrics. That's why I want to throw that at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm has that like feeling change, all that kind of stuff. And honestly, I, I didn't want to say anything, but I was hoping you'd pick up on that. That it's very doors, the end, especially like Jim Morrison live. feel. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, for sure. So you actually thought I was going to pick up on the end bit. I was hoping you would. I did. Okay. I remember thinking that like, I listened to that in my dorm room at Ball State when I first heard it. And I just love it because it was a story that I didn't really understand either, but it hooked me with the music. So all the things you're saying are exactly the things that I felt. And I was just kind of hoping you'd pick up on the doors thing. Yeah, which is weird. Like listening to it in my car and, and being busy and you know driving or whatever, I didn't get it as much. But when I sat down and listened with headphones and cued in, that's when it came in. Uh-huh. Yeah. So cool. All right, well. I guess then, um, so thumbs up, two thumbs up, Tony. Thank you. By the way, did you figure out what the hell it means? Other than some uh, weird apocalyptic version of the future? Yeah, no, I don't know. I want to, want to chat about that. All right, perfect. Well, then uh, we'll go to Jeremy, since I gave a song to Jeremy. 
Okay, so Steve gave me Riviera Paradise from Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, was not familiar with this song at all. I had no idea what to expect other than he told me it was uh, kind of a long, slow jam. It's like, okay. And it's just under nine minutes long, so he was correct there. <laughs> um, and it starts out like a, there's some pretty cool little uh like there's a clean guitar tone like not heavy on the distortion it's kind of starts off with the little flourishes and then it kicks into this real kind of slow sexy groove uh amazing bass work in this song bass lines really killer all the way through um uh, around the three minute mark, there's some pretty cool drum work, um, some light fills and just kind of a kind of a cool tempo shift and then just kind of interesting. Uh, when the piano kicked in, uh, I was not loving it. Um, the first time I listened to this, I was not really paying attention. I was doing something else and I just had it on and the piano started and it's kind of I don't know, I just kind of butted up against it not in a great way. Um, when I sat down and listened to it later though, um, I really like like the, the first kind of main chunk of the piano is pretty good. It's kind of cool. Definitely was not really expecting that from a Stevie Ray Vaughan song. Um, but uh, there's later touches of the piano where it kind of comes in and out that I don't love but it doesn't really ruin the song for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, with further listens, I, I liked it a lot more than the first time through. I, I kind of grew on me and, but there's just like some little piano flourishes that are kind of come in and out that I could really do without. Other than that, it's really good song. Um, and the length didn't bother me. The tempo is awesome. They kind of just hit this slow, sexy pocket and just kind of get lost in it. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. I I thought it, the interesting thing for me was like the, you know, you got the guitar for a while, then the piano, and then the guitar, and then it's piano, guitar, piano. You know, they kind of work together, which mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. So. I'm glad you liked it. I guess I like the piano bit a little more than you, but the guitar playing is just so good and so cool. Uh, I mean, it's so nice. Yeah, it's Stevie Ray, so you're never going to go too wrong there. I've often wondered what the world would be like if Stevie were still alive, to be honest with you. I mean, that's a legitimate yeah. philosophical pondering of mine on, on somewhat of a regular basis. Uh, great guitar player, gone way too soon. Um, you know, we have a, a local blues musician who sounds a lot like him in, in a lot of ways, good friend of mine too. And, um, uh, you know, while that's a nice second place, he's still his own identity. And I would have loved to have heard, you know, 2020 Stevie Ray Vaughan playing to this day, you know? Yeah. I've so always, thought, I've always thought, uh, Mike's voice sounds a lot like Stevie Ray. Mm -hmm. mm. Yep. Yeah, I'm very thankful that I was able to see him live. Uh, we saw him, I think, a year before he died in the crash. So no kidding, that's, that's, wow. that's yes. cool. And I believe it was a low dough carload show. 
So I think we got them for like 20 bucks for all of it. <laughs> Man, at, that's great. At Deer Creek. Okay. Yeah. Now, Stevie was on his way back. Um, he had gotten sober and he hadn't been sober all that long when he when he died, right? So that's yep. another sad part of that story. Besides what he would have done in the early 2000s to music, because mm-hmm. God knows we would have all needed something else then, but. Through that, yeah, I read it. I read an article. It's funny you mentioned that. I read an article one time. I think it was in Rolling Stone, where they imagined what would have happened if Jimmy would have lived beyond, mm-hmm. you know, seventy-one or whatever. So, if you uh, if you haven't seen Bill and Ted's Face the Music, by the way, um, do it. J- Jimmy's in it, so <laughs> yeah, it's great. I've heard. I've been hearing pretty good things about that. Yeah, I mean it's okay in the grand scheme of things. It it's you know my wife and kid were like, yeah, it's all right. But at the end of the day, it was nostalgia, and I had a great time. So yeah. <laughs> all right, so we're up to Joe. Yeah, I got Jeremy's suggestion of the War and Treaty, which is a a married couple duo. Actually, I I thought they were going to be from the south. And if you listen to their music, you can see why, but they're actually from uh, Michigan. And they did a cover of I Can't Stop Loving You, uh, which probably best known. uh, I don't know if he wrote it. Ray Charles made it famous if he didn't write it, um, which that song is like a hymn. It is so pretty. It's such a good tune. And kind of like what you said, Paul, you have to or Steve, whoever was talking about Tyrone. Mm-hmm. Um, to take on that that cover takes some takes some real guts, you know. And they nailed it. They just sound so good. Uh, not only you know vocal quality, the music's actually kind of sparse, but it brings their vo- the vocals out. And uh, I was cleaning the garage and messing around the house, and it was like it was a good solid hour of just on repeat. That's <laughs> a good tune. Cool. And they've they've come up in. Um, I realize that now they've come up in my shuffle. Um, and I haven't paid attention to him much, um, but I've played, you know, when you get the, uh, like the Spotify radio or the, um, you know, Pandora sometimes will loop through different bands and they show up once an hour or something like that. I kind of tune in, but I never pursued it any further. So, uh, this was an excellent, excellent choice. I'm so glad I got it. So war and treaty. Cool. Yeah. What I I came across this song. This is the first song I heard from them, and it is a cover. And I just stumbled across this song somewhere on Facebook, and I saw it, and it says that well, th- this is a performance. It's a live performance. It's just the two of them and a piano, and they recorded it for the Country Music like songwriters hall of fame or something i don't know mm-hmm. but i saw i saw country music and um ray charles and i was like what is that and i listened to it <laughs> and i was absolutely floored the yeah. like they're amazing and man i've done a deep dive on them since and i absolutely love the warren treaty they're so good yeah yeah and it's just like a married couple and they have a band behind them and man they're just outstanding i can't can't listen to them enough been really yeah. enjoying that yeah they need to hit heavy rotation for me here pretty soon too so awesome so that's everybody right mm-hmm. i think so so again we didn't hit a clunker in the bunch kind we of. need to 
we need to do this like once a month and just see when the first time is that somebody's like, dude, I hated that song. <laughs> we got <laughs> close. I'm not gonna lie. We got close. My first listen through, I was like, mm, I don't know if I really like this. <laughs> <laughs> but and it was just the piano. I don't know why. I butted up against it so bad at first, but like listening to it more, I I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> All right. Well, we almost made it, but we'll see in the future. Maybe every time Tony rolls around, it'll just be the uh, exchange. Yeah. I, we Maybe. could do this anytime. We could do a whole show of this, like, you know, two or three songs or something. I, I would be fine with that. It's just Monday's hatred for the mm-hmm. piano in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The song that I gave Joe, meanwhile, is just yeah. the only piano. piano. <laughs> Hate that Monday. I keep do doing that. So Your call is important to us. Please hold. You are number three in the queue. <laughs> Open a home equity line of credit today. Don't forget, we do have specials. <laughs> anyway, and if you call certain banks, you can hear my wife doing that. She's the voice of some of those hold messages. No, oh, no kidding. Oh, that's, yeah. that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Side note, I read, I was reading, I sent Paul some stuff. I was reading all these little technology blogs the other day. And um, there's a company that specializes in like, so if you call from your cell phone and you get put on hold, it like references basically like your digital profile and it plays music you like while you're on hold. Wow. 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 That's cool and scary at the same time. Very invasive. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) I imagine they get like your customers once they finally get to them. I can hear Tony on hold now. (laughs) 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 Do they censor songs or do they just (laughs) (laughs) finance you like an animal? I think that's a terrible idea, and I think everybody should have to deal with what we did growing up when they would take the best pop songs and put them to Muzak. Yeah. <laughs> to write a passage. Yep. <laughs> Elevator music. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Have you yep. heard that there are uh, on YouTube, there are Kmart uh, PA soundtracks, so you can hear the music, and then they'll break <laughs> in, you know. But oh, that's yeah. a good two hours of fun. Oh, I've I've sat and listened to them, and I've listened mm-hmm. to the vaporwave remixes where they slow them way down and they yeah. sound real full and just you know. YouTube will make you or will allow you to do. I watched like an hour and a half of nineties commercials. <laughs> like oh yeah, that's fun too. Commercial, and then I just watched a montage. The day, so, yeah. Oh, nice. God, were your eyes bleeding? <laughs> no. So awful. <laughs> it was like awful in a good way, though. It was mm-hmm. not yeah. and I also felt like you know, clockwork orange with my eyes. You, you wanted some <laughs> cooler. You wanted some Dunkaroos. <laughs> <laughs> Fruit stripe gum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, nothing makes you know that like the internet drew a very definitive line in like entertainment. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Basically, oh, yeah. It like a little plastic mold of something we play with it and have an imagination though <laughs> right well it's like you know speaking to that with those commercials i've seen some that reference the old 80s where they have the big blue screen with the yellow font call now order your pizza yeah, right. you know right. in this case but uh, you know my daughter gets so impatient with commercials it's like hey back in my day we had to sit through them or we'd go get a sandwich come back and watch our show and then at midnight you heard the national anthem and then it was just bars and dial tone that's it <laughs> and those, those are call now ones were like 
six weeks till delivery. Oh yeah, yeah. six weeks so, shipping yeah. and handling. Yep. Yeah. Bringing up impatience. So we, you know, we've had Netflix for forever. So I love watching shows on Netflix. So we just bought the package where you do the ESPN, uh, Disney Plus, and Hulu because we were buying them separately. So that came up. So anyway, we did it. I hate watching on Hulu. God, it's annoying. You can't yeah. skip the intros. You got to watch commercials. That's oh, frustrating. You pay for that and you have to watch commercials. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Like on Netflix, not only are there no commercials, but it'll skip the intro and outro if you want it to. Yeah. You so can, if you're going yeah. through a series, you can just zip right through on Hulu. You got to watch all that crap and that's mm-hmm. annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were we were talking about getting Disney Plus finally for Christmas. Like that's our Christmas buy. But I don't think we're gonna do the big bundle. It goes from the bundle is twelve ninety nine and that's six ninety nine. So yeah. yeah. I will say this out of all of them, I mean Netflix has it right with the if you need to rewind or fast forward, because it mm-hmm. does a good job of getting you where you need to be. Disney and Amazon both are just clunky AF. Uh-huh. Oh man, I'm five minutes back. I didn't want to go that far. That kind of sure thing. Yeah, you're but, right. I know we're digressing, but I love on Amazon. If you pause it, it tells you who's in the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I wish they would just all combine the best of, and just make it a standard for streaming. Mm-hmm. And yeah. listeners, listen, hey, we are from Kokomo, Indiana, and I found a little gold nugget on Amazon Prime the other day from our hometown. <laughs> a little no. movie called Terror Squad. No. It's in high def four by three. It is available. If you like terrible movies with continuity errors and bad special effects and horrible writing, this is right up your alley. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Two then- <laughs> yeah, I got two things on that. First of all, I think it would be a fool's gold nugget. And second, <laughs> how do you even get a high def transfer of that movie? Well, <laughs> how is that even? Yeah, possible? it was not high def to begin with, right? Well, the version on YouTube, the VHS was so bad that you I mean it, it's you can't tell what's going on. It's just so blurry and you know smeared. But this is actually preserved well enough that you can actually tell who's talking and what's going on. Wow. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about the continuity errors. You may not pick up on them. I mean, there are obvious plot problems with this movie, mm-hmm. but the continuity errors come with the fact that they drive through our county. They are at a place called Cone Palace, which is four yep. miles, four and a half miles south of downtown, right? Roughly. Mm-hmm. And then they're downtown going the wrong way on a one way street. They were one way at the time. And then they turn and they end up a mile out of town. And then yeah. they're back at the Cone Palace for my, you follow me here. They are all over town and they're chasing each other back and forth. And if you were to make this route across Kokomo, I mean, you'd be burning gas and all kinds of stuff, <laughs> but they don't go, they don't, they don't turn on Sycamore, you know, to wherever it's just, you know, beyond that. Yes. There are continuity problems that the average film critic will pick up on, but the, the Kokomo resident sees mm-hmm. glaring emissions. First yeah. My personal favorite, though, is when they shot the windshield out of a car and you see the guy in, like, the aluminum foil fireproof hazmat suit (laughs) waiting for his stunt. And it's, like, it's blatantly obvious he's getting ready to catch on fire. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It's going to get groceries in this. You never know. You might spontaneously combust. (laughs) (laughs) Nowadays, I'm not surprised. What's that, Monday? Where... uh... Doesn't like a, a school bus change sizes in that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah right before it, it jumps, it goes down to the short bus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the, the basic premise is that uh, 
the Lebanese terrorists? Libyans. Libyans, yes, yes. Yep. What's the difference uh, at that point? Libya's been after Kokomo for a long time. Well, it's a co- because of our <laughs> yeah. nuclear power plant. That's yeah. it. Yeah. At yeah. that point in time, they're all the same. Although yeah. there's a good subplot. There's a, a janitor <laughs> that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And a student who he jams with down in the basement. With MIDI guitar sounds instead of the real guitar sounds. Yes, killer yeah. guitar sounds. Yep. I uh, won't tell you what happens yeah. to the janitor. Yeah, Gus, uh, you know, his name is Gus in the movie, but his name was Baggy. But I learned from <laughs> posting on the thread that uh, he actually was a prominent musician uh, in his youth and had performed with the likes of Duke Ellington, Louis Armstrong, and uh, was up in New York and uh, quite a jazz guitarist. So, and he taught at Grissom Air Force Base. He taught sol- uh, troops up there. So, hmm. pretty interesting. And he was just a humble, humble guy. And he ended up in this movie. So. Yeah. Uh, pretty wild. I'm glad that all came back around to music. Yes. Yep. I know. <laughs> but hey. Green on home. <laughs> yeah. But listen, it's it's worthy stuff. It's a pandemic. And if you have nothing to do and you feel like, you know what, I want to watch something so ridiculous that it's going to make me laugh or cringe. There you go. There was there was a video store in town. Was it video connection? That was one, yeah. a terror squad would disappear from every once in a while and somebody would just check it out and not return it. And then yeah, I think right. a video update, and I think or family video, one of the two, mm-hmm. and somebody would steal the copy of Terror Squad. Not I, I still have a copy on VHS <laughs> that I bought. You know, it's been watched enough that it was on clearance for like fifty cents. I still have the price tag on it in my collection. So, oh, so <laughs> yep. All, All right, right. That moving on. Right, All right, now we oh, are entertained. It's time to bring it home and talk about Smashing Pumpkins here. Yes. <laughs> It is finally time to talk about this. <clears throat> Smashing Pumpkins, sir. 20 songs. Uh, pretty ambitious. Band officially came back together last record. I mean, not officially, because we still don't have Darcy. She refused the invite. Uh, there was a little bit of fighting between the two, so we don't know what the real story is, but she refused to come back. So, But, uh, but James Eha did, which in my mind... You know, the three are the most important as far as their music goes. So I was happy with that. So they had one record out before, eight songs. This one's 20. What did you all think? Well, um, I didn't love it, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I thought it was, it was interesting. Like, just like my first run through, I just kind of had it on and like, okay, this is a long one. I'm just going to put it on and kind of go about my business around the house. And I just, I honestly felt like there's so much of it that just sounds alike. There's a lot of these songs that just kind of have the same elements and it just, there are very, very few highlights for me. I, I have a few that stuck out because they definitely caught my ear, but uh, mm-hmm. just so much of it sounds alike. And it has a very, all the synths and the drum programming, like everything is, it has a very 80s feel to it. Yeah, I, I liked it actually, but I'm with you, Jeremy. It, like it would have been better for me as a, I'd say even a 10 song album. I think they could have gone. I think they could have cut way down on this. Yep. But everybody else feel like it was too long, or everybody. Oh, yeah. I, also, yeah. Before I forget, uh, Steve, you mentioned the the three uh, 
Billy James and uh, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy. Um, they, there were, there were times, honestly, when I was listening to some of this, when I wondered what everyone was doing, because a lot of it sounded like Billy could have done it on his own. Well, yeah, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> uh, I go through this as a Pearl Jam fan, Steve, I, you can speak to this from a pumpkin's perspective, uh, but everybody wants old PJ, everybody wants 10. Um, nobody likes it when Eddie doesn't sound like Eddie from 92, 95. Um, so, I mean, the first thing I was struck by was Billy's voice, which, I mean, it's, at times it sounded like a guy doing a Billy Corgan impersonation. Does that make sense? I mean, there's just times it felt like it wasn't him, but he was trying to sound like himself, but he was also he didn't have the old stuff. So he was getting, he just kind of mellowed out and he had some weird inflections and I walking down the street in Vegas and you see a smashing pumpkins tribute band and they happen to throw original in there. <laughs> no, I have, I have a thought on that too, Joe. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I go through that a lot. I have to do a lot of uh, explaining about, uh, you know, my Pearl jam fandom and how the band has grown. Of course I've tracked with them. I didn't stick with the pumpkins as well. Like, like a lot of people didn't with Pearl Jam. So um, I'm interested to hear what you think about that for the Smashing Pumpkins record. But um, yeah, it was a long, it was over an hour. It was an hour and 12 minutes, I think. And with those 20 songs, you know, even, even being, I think our last couple of records have been like in the 45 to 50 minute range. So, I mean, it's, it's about half again, as long as some of those that we've listened to, but just the sheer volume of tunes on there, even to just poke through, and try to find one that you're going to like. I mean, if it's not in the first five or six, there's chances are you're not going to find it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's well. a, it's a different time. And if, if I'm stepping on your toes, Steve, if you want to talk, go no. ahead. Okay, no. I I'm just preparing. Okay, got it. And <laughs> I I really enjoy Smashing Pumpkins. I really loved the presentation of melancholy and melancholy and the infinite sadness the two cd set and the art with it was great things like that and that obviously was a huge undertaking especially at that time you know um it was rare that bands released full two cd sets nine inch nails did it you know pink floyd the walls a two cd set as well but um you know it's not something that everybody pulls off successfully every day this is a long listen we've already gone over that I feel like, yes, I love synth music and I love electronic elements. And while much like we discussed on uh, the Puss for released, it was pleasant. It was great to listen to in some aspects. You know, it wasn't uh, uningestible and unenjoyable. But the problem I had with it is when I listened to it, I listened to it from a recent perspective. I got commissioned to work on a track for an artist. He asked me to kind of tap into some Trent Reznor type elements. He wanted to to create music on something that's of a darker element and doing so I'm, I'm listening to some earlier nine inch nail stuff fragile backwards and one thing trent does with the electronic elements that keeps things interesting is there's an apparent background and foreground with his sounds so things come in things go away and things really build up and and you know, of course, lyrically, he has hooks and he has words with depth and meaning. And Billy's a great songwriter. Don't get me wrong. But I felt like things just kind of stayed very even keel, much like we talked about yes. on that Phosphor album. And yes. there was just not a lot of room for dynamic. And again, 
we're dealing with a pandemic. So it makes you wonder, A, was this partially contributed together in a, in a setting and then things became virtual and things got lost in translation? Or is it just now with computers and machinery, myself included, I get guilty of this. It's easy to lay your tracks down and let the music just kind of simmer and ride, but then there's never any real bringing things in, taking it out and just really pumping the music with any kind of organic nature outside of that. I, now that you say that about the foreground and background, I think that's 100% nailing it on the head. Uh, most of these songs were very upfront and there were not a ton of dynamics to the point where one of the songs that I put down on as a highlight for me, that's why I liked it because of the dynamics mm -hmm. in the song. And I, yeah, I just feel like these synths that they've used throughout this entire album, it sounds good. Like they, they, it's, uh, you know, they chose good synth sounds and I mean, it's engineered and mixed well, I feel like, but it's, yeah, there's not a lot of changing it up. It's all like kind of out front and this is the song and here you go. And it, it's, yeah, a lot of it is just too similar for me. Mm, yeah. And and I can respect an element of minimalism, but at the same time, there can be some breathing room with it too. Yeah. But 20 songs of minimalism is a little much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I agree with all of that. And uh, I just, I, I've talked to you guys all about Song Exploder, a podcast I like, and they had Phineas talking about um, the one of the Billie Eilish songs and just the depth that he goes into talking about, well, she says this, my head's underwater. So he made the vocals kind of sound like that. And then there's some buried stuff like Paul's talking about that until you strip it away, you don't even really know it's there. Um, and it might come forward a little bit. And I do agree that that's missing at the same time. I don't know why, but there's a there, there's a few on here that I really really liked too. Yeah, same. Me the, too. The title track was damn near perfect for me. I really liked that song. Um, and then I'm just gonna throw out a few others so you guys can talk about which ones you liked. But I liked the opener, and I felt like the opener had a little bit of like cure feel to it. Mm -hmm. um, and I liked Purple Blood a lot mm -hmm. and Tiger Tiger. Those are some standouts for me. Cool. What what'd you guys like? What standouts were your – what did you guys have for standouts? Um, I said the same thing. The opener was pretty solid. Um, I mean, I didn't love it, but it's pretty solid. It kind of – that's the first time I wrote down. This is a very 80s feel, which it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the record. Um, the title track, I love. The, the groove is really cool. The vocals on the chorus. The backing vocals, there's a few songs on here with the female backing vocals absolutely stellar touch absolutely. Yep. Um, and which i loved I've, i i like when the pumpkins go a little heavier zero is one of my favorite songs from them so of course i i like which uh the guitar work was cool I had a really great uh kind of a fat bottom end that sounded really good um the keys on which are pretty awesome um I liked Haunted, uh, and that one, mm -hmm. I don't know why I like that one so much. I feel like I wrote down, like, this one oddly works for me. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure why. That is the one, though. Haunted is the one where I really love the dynamics on. Mm -hmm. There's a, a lot 
lot of part changes and stuff like that. I feel like that that is a very well structured song. Like there's a lot of changes and it sounds really good. Uh, the drum programming on that one's very well done. The backing vocals again. Uh, and Tiger Tiger was my last standout. Uh, really, really cool, fun groove. The synth sounds were awesome on that one. Has kind of a bouncy beat. And uh, Billy's vocals on that one actually kind of stood out for me on Tiger Tiger. Cool. Oh, yeah. I had that. My main note, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm, I agree on all points, which was the banger for me. <clears throat> Let me say that again so I didn't sound like I'm breaking my voice in puberty. <laughs> which was the banger? <laughs> Yeah, I've been muting and coughing, but uh, you know, I, I love the low tune guitars. I thought the drum work was really fun and, and intense on that, too. So I kind of feel like that kind of took things to the, the the peak. And then, you know, everything else kind of was lower than that, but still stayed pretty even. And then Haunted, like you said, was the more dynamic track that actually had some ebb and flow and some breathing to it. And it's like if they would have done that more, not necessarily repeated yeah. that song, but those kind of elements. I think this album would have had a lot more interest for me. Yeah, yeah I, I agree 100%. That's why that one caught my ear so much. I, it was just, it felt so different than the rest of the album. For just sure. Just for that reason. Um, I had a lot of the exact same songs you guys did, which is interesting, mm -hmm. seriously, that we've all, you know, my my top songs, and I put them down were Witch, Sir, Purple Blood, Telegenics, uh, Dulcet Knee, and Haunted. And Haunted probably was my favorite of the group. And I felt like it was more dynamic. Jeremy, I think you hit that one on the head. And I love the, you know, one thing about Billy, regardless of the fact that I didn't like this record and I didn't like the synth throughout for 20 songs, he is a good songwriter. And he definitely has a, a very clever way of phrasing things. And um, his cadence sometimes is really strong. I think Joe brought it up earlier where he, so that sounded like a caricature of Billy sometimes. And I think what happened is when he started doing the solo records, he adapted a, a vibrato and he started to change the dynamics of the way he sang. And now he's doing it here. So I listened to this and I went back and I'm like, were the vocals that far in the front in the past? Because I didn't feel like they were and they weren't. They felt like they kind of rode the music better rather than being out in front. And um, my biggest issue with the record, and I don't, I, I'm going to be that guy, you know, that I want my pumpkins from the old days, but it's not that. I like it when bands change. We've talked about this on the show a million times with Metallica and, and Slipknot, and they go through these changes, but they don't completely change their entire identity for, hey, we got a little visitor over there. <laughs> Um, bands don't change their entire identity. They change and they grow from where they are. So, you know, and Pumpkins are probably my second favorite band of all time. And back in the day, I read everything I get my hands on. I mean, I was obsessed. You know, they went to a point where when they would go around, they had this, this uh, floor that they would bring out. It was an old oak floor, tongue and groove, and they would have to set it up just right so that the guitars and the drums work together. You know, it was that important. You've got uh -huh. Jimmy Chamberlain, who is an amazing drummer. Where right? is I mean, he? He's got, he's got this jazz background, and he's got these – he's really cool. Yeah. You know, they used to open up the snares and the toms, and if you really go back and listen to Gish 
and Siamese Dream, it worked so well with the bass. They were just in sync with each other and it had this high tone and the drums were amazing. And then here you've got a freaking drum track on something. That's what it felt like to me, whether it was or not. That's um, what I was saying. Like, where where are these two? Like, where where is James? There's not a ton of great guitar work on here either. So where's James? It's all mostly programming. Like, I mean, did Jimmy do that? Like, what's I don't know who did what on here. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the Future Embrace, those first solo album in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. That was more distorted synth and electronic elements. It was almost like, hey, I got garage band. I'm gonna kick these some effects on these and call these songs. But this yeah, this definitely seems very stripped away from the full band environment and just more or less, you know, one man track machine. Yeah. And we got Joe. I was just gonna say that when you track with a band long enough, you you take the risk that every time you listen to a new album, they're going to change and you're not gonna like it. However, if you're a true fan, I think you can listen and a good band will say maybe there are even songs in the previous album that you listen to that bridge to the new one. So, um, but this just seems like such a leap from anything that's expected. Cause even Billy, I mean, yeah, he had a good backing band, but Billy had his own guitar style, you know, and there's just none of that came through either. So um, at some points it even sounded like uh, it got, uh pretty chintzy in the electronic you know and it was almost like a toy like a casio keyboard which you know and in the right band that probably works but this it just it, it, they, they did it five or six tracks and then it was like well i don't know just push that button yeah. let's try it so there, there were some of the uh the drum programming uh, a little bit of that and i was like I mean, is that like a drum machine from the 70s? What is that from? Yeah, it's not yeah. done in, in that style where, hey, we're playing a drum machine from the 70s. This it sounded you know, a drum machine from the 70s. So, yeah, you know, this, it sounded uh, like a cheap Casio. Yeah, like, right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And I, when we're talking about bands changing and stuff, I bring into mind two different things for me that are from way different ends of the musical spectrum. One is Maroon 5. When they started going super pop, I would yeah. listen to their stuff and be like, what is the drummer doing in this band? Mm. Why Why do they even have a drummer anymore? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it just went super pop and it felt like it was all programmed and sequenced and whatever. But And the other is Danzig. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on Danzig 4, there's a couple of songs that have electronic elements and it works very well. Then Danzig 5 came out and it was all super processed electronic stuff. And it was not good. It right. was not good. And that was like and the, that was like the big breakup and onto the next. Yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah. The band dissolved and he went like like goth techno almost. <laughs> yep. But, uh, Way so back. Yeah. And this stuff, like, but like I, you know, even saying that, like we've talked about it before, like we've said, well, I'm all for bands changing, evolving, like mm-hmm. you're not going to be the same songwriter you were at age 20 and age, you know, 50. you're, you're not going to be the same person, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't know this, this one just didn't, didn't work for me. Most of it. Here, here's think, an interesting oh, thing. Go ahead, Tony. Oh, I was going to say, Paul brought up earlier, you know, like, is it of these times? Like, can you get together? Can you jam? Can you record? That type of stuff. 
And so I think some of this might have come with that. I went to a, uh, my friend, his son had a 16th birthday party and he set up in this like old place out west of town and it was like a jam place. And mm-hmm. uh, there, and I just stopped by there and I really wanted to stay just because people were jamming and it was like, it was the feel of what a band does when they get together and, you know, and so I don't know if there's something a little bit colder or electronic about this because there wasn't the ability necessarily to get together the same way and see a song all the way through. Was that not it? No, I think they've been together this whole time. They've been writing together. That's why I said they, they came up, they've already written 46 songs together. They've actually, I believe, been together working. Like, wow. which is I'm more concerning. Like yeah, I, think, I believe so. Well, maybe yeah. so. Yeah. And then, Steve, you said that something about a uh, caricature of Billy. And it's a side note, but I've been working on my character, caricature stuff. That was something I wanted to learn over this vacation. So while we were. Uh... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's cool. What is that? <laughs> we need to post those on. You need to do one for all of us. We'll post yeah. Them. And I love the fact that Joe has like a, a previous picture of himself in the back with the on the top of the yellow box. It's almost like he has a, an, it's like his twin brother is in an urn. When he first popped up, popped into the meeting, I was like, uh, I was like, oh, that's not a recent picture. <laughs> well, enough about that i'll tell you about that later <laughs> but hey i think uh, it was sitting on our mantle with a candle beside it and i said you can't do that it looks like i'm dead so. <laughs> well we have totally derailed this conversation and i yeah. think we interrupted steve in the middle of his uh his little no, tire so <laughs> we didn't really yeah, so I wanted, to, I wanted to point out an interesting tidbit, though, because you were talking about, you know, what's the drummer doing in the band. So I learned from when I worked at the guitar shop, my colleague Andy would always tell me about, band, you know, albums that he really dissected and learned about. And uh, Slaughter, you know, their hit album back in the day, oh, yeah. that's Drum Machine. And you wouldn't have known it. I mean, because no. it just sounds... Yeah, but then then again, a lot of that style was just basic four four kind of AC DC style drums without a lot mm-hmm. of in- intense embellishments. But they sampled the drums right and gated the reverb enough that it sounded legit. And uh, you know, so they pulled it off. And I think from a production cost standpoint for the studio, they did it so that way they wouldn't have to pay for the hours for the drummer to track and then put the guitars on top of it and try to be synchronous with with uh, personnel without everybody there at the same time kind of thing. We don't have that excuse anymore. We have bedroom studios. Gear is very accessible. You have, you know, the only enemy at, your, at this point is time. So, you know, if they wanted yep. to have Jimmy on the drums, they could do so and not break the budget. But, you know, I digress. It's it's an argument of texture, I think, at this point. And whether fans will embrace it or find it falls flat is up to the rest of the Smashing Pump. Yeah, right there. Like, look at the beat. <laughs> this is and- the Beat Buddy Mini 2. It was a hundred and some bucks on uh, Sweetwater and... It won't steal my girlfriend. It's never late to practice. It won't bring it you pizza, though. And it doesn't, no. try to, it doesn't try to write the songs. Doesn't want to write songs or sing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm curious what the other Smashing Pumpkin fans would uh, say out there on, on their response to this album. And I looked up the pronunciation. It's Seer. Yeah. Seer. Cool. It's French. I, my guess is it's going to be pretty mixed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I definitely appreciate expanding. And trying to do new things, I just think it it went too far. It lost the identity, and we were kind of teased, to be honest. And uh, two years ago, 
Billy got his Gish guitar back. It had been stolen and right. was gone since 1992, right? And so he gets back and they record videos on the time. You can go find him now where he gets it and he starts doing some of the jams of the early songs. And so it's like, we're going to get, you know, those layered, beautiful guitars and that that <laughs> drum's going to come shining through there, you know? And we got one song on Osha or what is it? Shiny and Oh So Bright. Mm -hmm. Solara. The rest of them were not that. And then this, we get all synth. So maybe the next 26 songs will have a little element of that. Or at least let Jimmy make an appearance. He's good. Why are we wasting Jimmy when we've got him in the band? Yeah. I can't imagine that if the rest of the songs are planning as a sequel of sorts to Melancholy, I can't imagine it's going to sound like this. I would hope not. I, and I and again, I will reiterate, like, there's a lot of good stuff to like in this album, mm -hmm. but it's just too much of the same thing. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like they switched it up hardly at all, except for, you know, the few tracks here and there. And when they do, it's really noticeable, really stands out because the rest of it is so similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the big tune on Melancholy, or at least one of the bigger ones, was Tonight Tonight. And but mm -hmm. uh, what does that song set you up to become? I mean, the next Queen. What? Nobody's writing songs like that. It was, it was huge. I mean, it was uh, yeah, very epic song. Wow. Um, they had a nice big kettle drum and no synth. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Synth free. <laughs> no, you're right. And well, then they did uh, Adore, which was a very different mm -hmm. record. And then they came back and they did Machina, which was a little bit back to the older formula with a little bit of the other mixed in. So okay, wait. So Adore, that was the one Jimmy was gone for, right? Um, I'm trying to think. He was kicked out of the band. No, I think he was. Are you sure? I thought that one was more electronic. I, it was more electronic, yeah. But he wasn't kicked out yet. I don't think okay. he did get kicked out on one of the tours. He was addicted, and so. Yeah. Yeah. They booted him, he got straight, and then he came back. But um, I thought it was definitely one, was hardcore uh, electronic. I thought that one went more electronic because he wasn't there. So apparently they were much like this one. They were just like, go sit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a team player. I don't know. Yeah. And not to pile on, but one other thing I think was missing was Billy does have a good way when he wants to, when they're actually rocking out, to change his vocal style and go a little kind of gruff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, for having 20 songs, I don't remember that happening on any of them. Do you get am I wrong or no? No. Well, well Melancholy was a double disc. Yeah. But I mean on this on this one, I wish there was like like I love Drown and I mean even for what it's worth, Bullet with Butterfly Butterfly Wings is still a great track. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so I miss some of those seeing him go in and out of those styles too. Right. But yeah, a lot of the vocals kind of sound like um, speaking with tone in some aspects. I mean, they really didn't accelerate much past that, but yeah, you know, it, it works. But we're, yeah. maybe we're, are we fuddy duddies? You know, the music mar market is very finicky at best, anyhow. I mean, since yeah. music is very marketable right now, maybe that's a piece of it. Maybe you know, I don't know. But at the end of the day, you know, there's there's certain sounds that are contemporary, and and I enjoy the sounds, but I just again, mm -hmm. I think. I think there's there's something to be said about some of the older styles of production where they really 
put a lot of intention on what was going to be put on that track. You know, hard disk space is virtually limitless these days, whereas you had 16 little spaces on an analog tape. And you, if you had a lot of money, you could sink a second machine, then you have 32. And then you're one of the yeah. lucky ones. But even then, they still did everything with complete intention. It had to count. Right. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like we are the fuddy duddies that don't want change. I don't feel like that's us at all. I just feel no. like for whatever reason, for several reasons, this just didn't work for us overall. It's, I'm just, yeah. if people love it, then great. That's, that's the good thing about music, you know? Yep. So yeah. I, I just, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not so invested in the Smashing Pumpkins that I need everything to sound like a certain era. Like I, there are songs I can pick out from all of their albums that I love and they're all different and they're all great. And there's songs on this one that I really enjoyed, but I just, as a whole, this album was not for me. So we'll just start the ratings and we'll start with you, Jeremy, since you said that, what would your rating be? Man? Would you um, not I, I I went with a two and a half out of five. It's a little bit lower than middle of the road. Okay. For me, I, there's really, aside from my highlight tracks, there's probably not a lot here. I'm going to go back to. Yep. Joseph. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking about the smashing pumpkins um, pavement feud of the mid nineties. <laughs> and I remember that Billy Corgan's like last like little insult um, to pavement was that people don't fall in love to pavement pavement. They fall in love with smashing pumpkins because these bands, uh, he's, I think he's pumpkins hole in Nirvana because they actually mean something to them. Okay. Um, I don't know what that means for this record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel almost like there's something there. And when I heard it, I, I was simultaneously thinking, I don't like this. Uh, it's kind of irritating in spots, but I also kind of want to go back and listen to it again to see what's going on. So maybe the first, maybe this was their exile on Main Street. And uh, just to bring that full circle, I'd probably give it somewhere in the two and a half to two and three quarter range, but I, I'm intrigued. So there because i i don't my i i don't i'm like jeremy i don't have a vested interest in the smashing pumpkin so i don't care one way or another what they do but i i'm sort of intrigued by this album so i want to hear it again tony well i had overall i mean if someone said do you like it or not like it i'd have to say i liked it with you know with the asterisks of it was a bit long and um luckily for me it's like you know, when you have that smart kid in your group project, that's going to carry you through a little bit. That's kind of what the uh, beginning of this album all the way through probably, I mean, the first three tracks and then another couple would come in that were great. And then towards the end, there was a couple of great ones. So the ones that I liked, I liked enough to keep my rating up. Uh, the ones I didn't like will probably just get, you know, shuffled aside as I make my own playlist out of it. So I gave it a three and a quarter. Good, good. JPP. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. I, yeah, I, I came in hearing some of the teasers that you uh, sent in. And Joe, I don't know what you said, but I, I totally understand. My throat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got it. But yeah, at the end of the day, th there, there was some, 
tracks that stood out. We already touched on those, and those definitely put a nice stamp on on the moment for Smashing Pumpkins. But you know, there's a lot of filler and there's a lot of just even keel going on. I'm going to give this album overall. I'm going to say a three and a half because I liked the sounds that they used. Um, it certainly misses the mark again dynamically and and taking me through a ride and this is something i struggle with when i write music i i don't have the luxury of time to get together with people and spend eight ten hours a day working on music and i would love to do that um however i try to be very cognizant about what i'm doing and i'm not saying that they're not being cognizant i mean clearly they had some intention with what they did but what i'm getting at is I will listen to it again. And I think I will listen to it from standpoint of seeking inspiration on types of sounds and quality of sounds. Um, but when it comes to like getting actual deeper songwriting inspiration, I'll, I'll probably look elsewhere aside from this album. And I would still go back to previous efforts in the earlier realm of smashing pumpkins for such things, but uh, I will listen to it again, but I, I think my mind's pretty much made up. It's going to be hard for it to grow on me past this. Okay. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Siamese Dream is probably the record I've listened to most of my life. If you, if I were to add, somehow you count up every time you ever listen, I bet Siamese Dream is probably my number one record of all time. Listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Gish. If they ever come in concert, I will be there. Um, I love them that much. I just feel like. You know, we finally got the band back together. It had been nearly 20 years without James. Uh, Jimmy had come back for a while. He and Billy, their relationship has really blossomed. They're doing great together. So we get the band back together, and we get this eight-song, one-off kind of odd thing, and then we get a synth record, which just throws me off. I'm okay with, with growing. I'm okay with changing. I'm just not okay, I guess, with throwing everything out and starting fresh with this new sound. And if that's the case, I won't be listening much. And I'll be honest, I won't be listening to this much after this. I I loved a couple of the songs, but I love to listen to albums, and I won't put this album on and listen from beginning to end. I'll go back and find another one. And I don't want to be the fuddy-duddy because I'm always excited when new stuff comes out. And I've enjoyed Billy's work because it's Billy's work. There's no... You know, I don't have anything to go on. He's doing his own individual thing. I just don't think this one hits the mark as a Smashing Pumpkins record. So I'm hoping that the next 26-song record, the follow-up, will have a little bit more to offer. And I would give it probably a two and a half. I do think he's a very good songwriter. I love his lyrics. So I think here that doesn't, it's not really diminished. I just think the sound feels canned. So. All right. That was an in-depth review. Yes. We all gave it. We all gave it to do. Yeah, and I feel spent after this actually because I mean, mm-hmm. there there was a lot to unpack with, you know, what what little whelm I guess that we received from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Do we have a record next week? I forgot to look ahead. I was busy making brownies. I don't I'm gonna take I'm gonna take I, that as a new. Don't really speak up. We're gonna review the movie Terror Squad. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I'm gonna be sick next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
All right. Well, we're going to find out. We're going to look. We're going to find something super delicious to review or hopefully talk to Michael Cerevolo. Maybe yeah, we can I need work to that out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that would be awesome. We do have uh, the challenge next week from Mr. Mundy. That is yet to be determined, but it's going to be sensational, right? Well, I hope so. We'll try to find something good. <laughs> and then uh, Joe's going to bring us a Lester Bangs-inspired challenge. Gentlemen, where can we find you if, after all of this, somebody still wants to find us, Mundy? <laughs> uh, always on Instagram, at Metalhead Mundy. All right. El Ray. Elray4, that's uh, E-L-R-E-Y-4, and that's on the Instagram network. Fantastic. T-Bags. I'm still at the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Facebook page. JPP. You can find me also at the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Facebook page. You can find me on Instagram under Just Plain Paul, and newly on Instagram, if you want to see my new project, The Phoenix Supernova, just go to Instagram and look for The Phoenix Supernova. I got a, a new tune and a little mini, uh, music video snippet up now, and uh, good luck pronouncing it. It's called Crawlix Span, and it's got some symbols in there and all that kind of stuff, but it's... Uh, a lot of what I was feeling this past couple of weeks, missing traveling, getting out, things like that. The music video kind of plays on video footage of trains and people traveling and things of the sort. So uh, just trying to live vicariously through that and, and uh, provide some sonic elements that tie into the visuals. That was a fun is one. The, is the entire song out? Uh, no, it's not out yet. I'm not com completely finished with it, but I at least wanted to get a little teaser going with what I had so far. Sounds so next good, week, so. we'll be reviewing the teaser on the show in place of an album <laughs> review. There you go. Oh, I give it a one, I will never listen again. Yeah, I spoiled mine. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm glad you liked it, Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Paul has changed so much from data of the East Accolade. It's not even the same guy anymore. No, certainly not. It doesn't sound like 8-bit uh, arcade. It sounds a little, more, a little more flowing, for sure. I've matured, if you can, if you can believe that. <laughs> At least musically, right? Right, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Musically, maybe. Pull my finger. <laughs> uh, JPP is the hopes to have an entire record? Yes, yes. Uh, I don't have any deadline set because, you know, it's COVID and we're all busy people and I'm working a ton. So uh, I'd squeeze it in between helping kiddo with their school and family and obligations there and the day job. So uh, I've been up till three or four o'clock in the morning just working on tracks. And then I got picked up on a commission, like I said earlier, from a, from a colleague that uh, wanted some music for his thing. And so I couldn't pass it up. It seemed like a cool opportunity. So, uh, you know, any type of creative opportunity that uh, presents itself, I'll evaluate it and hopefully pursue it if possible. Fantastic. And finally, you can find me, <laughs> Boggy's pal at Twitter and on Instagram, and also over at the wanderingsandwoolgathering.com page right now doing a uh, special set of arguments, or uh, arguments, group of articles on the King in Black, a new um, event from Marvel Comics. I'm doing that with a friend of mine from Ireland, where our uh, most uh, prominent group of fans come from, apparently. Oh, at, I thought Zambia was coming on strong. Zambia is number two. Ireland still loves us, but Zambia is right behind him. So Ireland, if you're listening to me right now, get your friends on. We need to keep number one. Right. Well, we yeah. gotta find some, we gotta find some artists from Zambia, so then Zambia <laughs> will love us even more. Try. <laughs> Somebody search that quick. 
<laughs> Nothing's coming up. All right. <laughs> All right, folks. We have definitely worn out our welcome, and we will see you next week. Bye now.